0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Welcome into the roto Fantasy Football Podcast. It's Tuesday, take five. We've been doing this each week of the NFL season, and you're watching this live stream version. You know, it's Monday night. It's a Monday night football game. That's fine. But if you're listening to it in podcast format, you're listening on Tuesday morning, and that's why we call the show Tuesday Take Five. Dave, uh, on this show, we run down the top five fantasy performances at each position and just take an early look at, you know, what we think drove that using some of the advanced metrics from rotoviz.com. All of this flowing into the site very nicely uh, early on Mondays now, thanks to Dave's uh, wizardry and some of our partnerships with, uh, you know, the uh, leading data sites in the industry. So um, Dave, anything you want to share about the Sunday performances before we get right into the uh, player uh, part of the episode?
2: Just another really fun day of games. Uh, You know, as always in the NFL, you're going to see some things that you did not expect And, uh, you know, I think we're going to end up talking about some of the players that played in those games.
1: Yeah, absolutely, man. We're going to get just right into it here with the quarterback position and, uh, you know, some pretty big performances. Uh, I've got all of the NFL season shown, so I'm just going to make a quick adjustment. It's very easy. Switch it over to to week four and Josh Allen leading the way, Dave. Uh, (laughs) The Dolphins and the Bills faced off and it was a totally different situation Then in week three, when the Dolphins put up 70 points, this time it was Buffalo's turn to flex their offensive uh, and fantasy football scoring muscles. Josh Allen at the tippy top of the leaderboard. 320 passing yards, a stellar 84% completion percentage, four touchdowns and no picks. Talk to me about some of the advanced stats here uh, driving this incredible stat line for 36.5 fantasy points.
2: Well, I think one of the first things that we just should note here is that if you go back and you look at josh allen versus the dolphins it's just ridiculous how good this guy (laughs) seems to do against the dolphins um but you know some other things to look at here like his conversion rate um for air yards thrown uh only looks like here uh we only saw him get into the one point oh only one quarterback here came close, and that was Baker Mayfield. Interestingly enough, but yeah, Pacer of one point five six one, very oh, you want me to look impressive.
1: Here? Let's just sort, sort by Pacer. There you go.
2: Yep. Um. So he
1: was fourth. Fourth. Okay. And Pacer.
2: Fourth and Pacer yards per attempt at twelve point eight, which you really like to see. So they were definitely. You know, able to put together a lot of yardage via passing. As a rusher, went for 4.2 yards per attempt, only took two sacks in the game, completed 84% of his passes, Curtis, uh, which is pretty impressive given the fact that if you look at his ADA, you know, it was still 8.2, not the highest of the week, but definitely higher than some other pastors you're going to look at that completed fewer passes. Uh, So, Josh Allen going for 36.5 fantasy points in this contest, you know, giving people a taste of the reason that they were going after him so early in redraft and best ball leagues.
1: Yeah, I mean, we had a ton of Josh Allen. I mean, you and I were kind of team draft a quarterback in round three this year, and I was getting a little bit scared uh, about some of our higher stakes uh, portfolio as a result. It just really seemed like the value, that's where the value spot was uh, for us. We kept drawing these, you know, front half of the fantasy draft, draft spots, and it just felt like a real flex to end up with Mahomes or Jalen Hurts or Josh Allen when they dropped those spots. And Allen was even going, you know, later on in the third at time. So to see this type of classic blow up performance with five total touchdowns. Um, you know, that, that, that's nice confirmation of the, the early season uh, strategy behind those draft picks. And I think there's a lot more to come uh, from Josh Allen and, and in terms of these types of performances. One thing you'll note here, uh, you know, I've got weeks five through eight pulled up. This is our strength of schedule streaming app. So if we look ahead to Buffalo's next four games, you know, you'll know notice here that uh, they do not have a bye. He's got four straight weeks coming up. He's got Jacksonville, New York. Uh, New England and Tampa Bay. Uh, no one really there. That's a clear avoid. Not that you're ever avoiding starting Josh Allen anyway, because he can blow up on anybody. But it's not like he's facing, you know, the Cleveland Browns defense or something like that. That's just been performing at an otherworldly uh, level. It looks like clear skies ahead uh, for Josh Allen. Now, at QB two, Dave. Yes, the rookie is back. He's back. And he looked awesome, man. He looked so awesome that Jonathan Taylor's talking about wanting to play football again. Uh, but Anthony Richardson, total opposite end of the spectrum from Josh Allen here from a completion percentage <laughs> perspective. Uh, actually, only completed forty-four yes. percent of his passes. That's actually what you know. That's what we were seeing in Florida. You know, that was a big question mark on this guy. Did he have the accuracy? Could he get it done there? You no, know, he's really efficient. You know, two hundred yards, uh, two passing touchdowns. And of course, you know, the rushing touchdown on the ground and 56 rushing yards. Um, There are a couple things within the advanced analytics uh, and what he was doing as a passer that do lend themselves to a little bit of an upside uh, look here as he gets more comfortable in the offense, Dave. So run us through uh, some of his uh, advanced analytics on Richardson
2: there. So kind of the wild thing here, Curtis, is that he did have 311 passing yards. Now, obviously, he only air, com- yards. air oh, yards. Sorry, air yards. Yeah. Yes, he only completed forty four percent of his passes. But what you're kind of seeing here, though, is a situation where if he's going to throw for that type of potential yardage, even with a lower completion rate, that could get him to the spot where, when you combine that with his rushing, he's able to, you know, maybe not have twenty nine point six uh, fantasy points every week but still play a pretty competitive role in the quarterback landscape. Now, his pacer was just .643, which if you sort on that, you'll see is pretty low in comparison to a lot of these other players, but also average adds 5.6 rushing yards per attempt to kind of even things out, only took two sacks, um, eight yards per attempt uh which is actually higher than a fair amount of other players here so yes only a 44 percent completion rate but um you know if you're looking at anthony richardson through a fantasy lens there's still some things here that kind of foretell of future uh you know good weeks to come
1: yeah you. Got, i mean you've got to like the aggression there and you know pending monday Night football results he is the quarterback leader in rushing yards for the week uh with 56 so I mean, that's the stuff that you want to see in fantasy. It doesn't always have to be pretty. I and mean, plenty of league titles were won with Justin Fields and in, in his performances last year. This is not you know far off from some of the stuff that we saw uh, from Fields in twenty twenty two. Familiar face in the top five of quarterback performances um, in you know, several seasons now. Lamar Jackson QB three on the week uh, as of you know Monday Night Football. Dave really efficient game for him. The Ravens just destroyed the Browns. I and mean, did. They didn't have Deshaun Watson. And, you know, the, Lamar Jackson wasn't asked to do a lot, but, you know, 15 to 19 uh, passing, you know, again, you know, low passing yardage, 186 yards, two passing touchdowns, but you get the pair of rushing touchdowns. That's really, you know, that, that's really about it. I mean, you can get into some of the passing metrics if you want here, really, uh, Dave, but when you get 12 points on the ground just from the touchdowns, I mean, that's going to separate you from the pack.
2: Yeah, and you saw... Lamar Jackson look like, you know, shades of the Lamar Jackson that people were really hoping we would get this year. One of the notable things here, 120 passing air yards actually ends up with 186 yards. Overall, some of this comes from having wide receivers in position where they're able to do a lot with the ball after the catch. But that gives him one of the more uh, notable pacers of the week. Did also have 9.8 yards per attempt, you know, kind of coinciding with what I mentioned earlier. Um, And a completion rate of 78.9 here for Lamar. So as you said, efficient here in terms of fantasy scoring and then also a limited passing volume in this game, but a lot to like about how they were able to perform with that volume. Now, this game certainly did get ugly pretty early on. But nonetheless, great game from Lamar.
1: Yeah, and just not a fun game to watch as a Browns fan. I will note, I mean, it's nice to see, and perhaps this is, I mean, it feels improved from earlier seasons for Lamar. I can't say for sure off the top of my head on the show that it has improved from earlier seasons. It just feels yep. that way. If you're going to have a 6.3 dot, you better have a 78.9% completion rate. And so, so that's what, I mean, if you're not going to push the ball down the field, at least make sure that it's, you know, it's a catchable ball for your receivers and you can get your athletes in space doing their thing. And that's what we saw, you know, from Lamar in week four, I'm um, going back uh, to some of the other top five performers of the quarterback position, Justin Fields, man, people have just been piling on this guy all season long. If there was ever a spot that Fields was going to blow up, it was going to be against the Broncos. And thank goodness that he got it done because uh, it, it was looking like a lot of sunk best ball portfolios and you know people just cursing the Bears. Uh, he exploded, man. 80% completion, 335 yards, four passing touchdowns, did have a pick. Tell us what he did on the ground and, and what some of the advanced passing metrics were for fields.
2: Sure. Yeah. So as you alluded to fields um, getting things done, actually more so via the air in this game, Curtis than with his legs only four rushing attempts, rushing for a total of 25 yards comes up to 6.2 per clip, but really a lot of this driven on the four passing touchdowns had 335 total passing yards on 310 passing air yards. So we saw fields targeting receivers downfield. We saw him converting on a number of those passes. I also think it's notable here too, that you have that 80% completion rate given uh, a yards per attempt of 9.6, which if you look at quarterbacks this week is one of our, uh, our higher totals actually. So very encouraging to see this performance from fields, Hopefully it can, uh, you know, quell some of the fears that managers had that had invested early in fields.
1: Yeah. Kind of a fun stat here. Uh, Only two quarterbacks in week four had over 300 passing air yards and also actually over 300 passing yards. And that was Justin Fields and Jalen hurts. So, you know, that's, Hey, you know, Part of being a fantasy winner is dominating in games you should dominate in. Now, I mean, Fields has left a lot on the table in the first three weeks of the season. But at least he got it done when everyone knew that he had to get it done. And, you know, you can't take that away from him. So a little bit of momentum going into week five here uh, for Justin Fields. If we look at his schedule ahead in the Strength of Schedule app, he draws the Commanders in week five, the Vikings in week six. The Vikings have been an absolute sieve, too. So I mean that's a divisional game, but that's a, another good spot for him. And he's got two other pretty neutral to new, you know, to slightly positive matchups in week seven and eight uh, against Las Vegas and the Los Angeles Chargers. So maybe brighter skies ahead for Justin Fields, and we'll leave the light on for just a little bit longer. Rounding out the top five quarterback, Dave Jalen Hurts. Uh, you know, plenty to say here. I mean, he looked great, three hundred ninety-eight passing air yards you know, converted that into 319 actual passing yards, pair of touchdowns through the air, just 34 rushing yards and and no rushing touchdowns there. 24.2 fantasy points, uh, just barely above uh, the, the pair of quarterbacks that tied at QB6 and Joshua Dobbs and Justin Herbert. So, you know, Jalen Hurts, a bit of a pedestrian day by Hurts standards, but does get in, uh, g- get another mention in our uh, top five for the week, Dave. Why don't we head on over to the running back position now. Yep. Uh and and take a look at those guys. So no surprises, man. No surprises gonna uh occur here with Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> 48.7 PPR. 48.7 PPR. Somebody tweeted out or X'd out or posted out on X, whatever it is that we're supposed to say these days uh yesterday during the game that hey, it can't be a coincidence that the week after Mike McDaniel has a pair of running backs score four touchdowns, <laughs> the Kyle Shanahan decided to let McCaffrey score four. And that's exactly what happened, man. This guy was absolutely dominant in every phase of the game. And you know, his draft position was justified. Take us through the stat line.
2: All right. Well, if we just pretended that this man was a receiver, just a receiver, we'd be calling out that he went seven of eight. That's an eighty-seven and a half percent catch rate. He had 71 receiving yards 56 yards after the catch, seeing just 17 air yards as a wide receiver. And then, of course, as you alluded to, if that's not enough, he also goes for 5.3 yards per attempt on 20 rushing attempts, adding 106 rushing yards, three rushing touchdowns. And I think just the larger thing to underscore here, Curtis, is when we were looking at players that were running backs heading into this year that could lead not only in rushing volume, but that overall opportunity. We talked about Christian McCaffrey and we're really seeing that come to pass now, you know, the rushing volume is there getting 20 carries a game. You add in this tremendous receiving work and, you know, if he keeps this up, this could be, you know, runaway season for a lot of teams that have McCaffrey.
1: Jeez. I mean, yeah, there's really not anything else to say. I mean, he's, he's an all time great fantasy player at this point, you know, people, forecasting the demise for a while. You know, he had a couple little spells there where it was tough to stay healthy. And I mean, he's just, he's just still a revelation. I mean, you're just, you're just so happy, so happy when you go to set your lineup or you look at your best ball, uh, (laughs) portfolio and you see nothing but CMC glittered through there, you know, it's going to be a profitable, Season 40, he continues to stay healthy. It's nuts.
2: He's a full 30 points ahead of the next closest player to him at this point across the season, who is Raheem Mostert with 90. McCaffrey's already at 120.
1: So that gap's going to widen unless somebody can really get hot and, and, you know, usurp where Mostert was. So, I mean, that's, that's just, Super crazy. Yep. Um legendary upside for sure. Hat tip to uh Pat Corrine on the reference there. <laughs> okay. Uh David Montgomery, way, way long ago, last Thursday yes. night in the island game. David Montgomery, much to the distaste yep. of many Jameer Gibbs uh fans, including uh, those of us here at RotoViz, David Montgomery has a very uh inefficient from a rushing perspective uh type of performance, 32 rushing attempts. When do you see 30 plus rushing attempts in today's NFL? This is like a rarity, man. But he does, you know, manage 120 rushing yards on that strength of that volume, three rushing touchdowns. Not really a lot, you know, as a receiver, did catch both of his targets, Dave. You know, he posted 34.1 PPR, just a huge game uh for Montgomery. What I would note here uh, and then I'll let you break down the RB three for the week, negative seven air yards, <laughs> uh, negative 3.5 <laughs> average depth the target. So, I mean, you know, Mon- Monty here was totally getting the dump offs. So, you know, but I guess if you're going to score three touchdowns on the ground, you know, getting a pair of dump offs is, you know, that's just cherry on top.
2: Well, I mean, worked out for Jamal Williams, right last yeah, year in this yeah. role. And we're, we're really seeing that, but the, the crazy thing, I think, and I know you said to talk about Jacobs here, but was 121 rushing yards. Now sure went for under four yards per attempt, but um, my word, if he's getting that type of volume that you could continue having a hundred yard rushing days on top of the potential for multiple touchdowns, it's just going to be insane.
1: Anyway. Yeah, and Detroit, Detroit, if you look at the strength of schedule streaming app here too, Uh, They've got the fourth most attractive, fifth most attractive fantasy uh, schedule over the next four weeks with draws against Carolina, Tampa Bay, Baltimore, and Las Vegas. I mean, you know, these have been fantasy scoring friendly defenses. And, uh, you know, Monty's got the momentum. So let's see what happens here. Well, Dave Josh Jacobs had a a much different type of day. Uh, Also inefficient on the ground, but, you know, the Raiders. Thankfully, you know, for their own sake, I guess it didn't really matter for the outcome, but, uh, limited his attempts to just 17, 58 yards on the ground and one rushing TD. But the receiving was the story for, for Jacobs this week.
2: Yeah, it certainly was. So he goes eight of 11, um, and that results into 81 yards for him, uh, in a pretty fun stat here actually put up, um, 82 yards after the catch um, finishes with 27.9 PPR. And the thing to note here uh, is that we're seeing Jacobs get involved in a slightly different way than we might have expected him actually doing pretty well with that. Now, of course, there were slightly different circumstances with Jimmy Garoppolo being out, but it's always good when you can see a player on a team, you know, kind of take a different approach to getting those fantasy points. Well,
1: Devontae Adams also hurt his shoulder in this game. So there's like multiple layers of things yep. going on here. But, you know, Jake, Jacobs gives you even two or three more games at this type of fantasy output. You know, you're starting to look at a positive win rate type player for everyone who took the chance on him, you know, when he was going in rounds four and five. Uh, you yep. only need a couple of these big performances to kind of justify that payoff. Now, Kyron Williams, one of the unsung fantasy heroes of the season so far. Uh, L.A. Rams, second-year player here. Another 100-yard day for him on the ground, a pair of rushing touchdowns. Caught all three of his targets, Dave. 27.7 points. Anything stand out to you from an efficiency standpoint for Kyron this week?
2: Well, the first thing that I will just say, not so much about this week, this is already six touchdowns for him across this wow. season, which is just very, yeah. very impressive. Uh, a target share of just 7.7, um, but adds 24 receiving yards uh just a nice way to kind of pad things here actually picks up an additional 20 yards after the catch uh Mm -hmm. leads him to scoring of 27.7 ppr and then kind of again if i just zoom out here and look at williams high level here i think it's worth noting uh that the efficiency hasn't been that great as a rusher still at 3.8 rush yards per attempt Oh, I lied, actually, five rushing touchdowns for him. But what I was gonna say was, you know, sixty-four rushing attempts. I think that we're gonna can see see him continue to just have a lot of volumes as things progress. Uh, you know, as signaled by some of the moves the team has made. So as far as rookie yeah. running backs go for him to already be doing these type of things at the beginning of the season, very encouraging.
1: I mean, the thing with Kyron, too, I mean, he's not getting the receiving level of work uh consistently that McCaffrey's getting, but in terms of like his snap, his snap uh, share and his usage and role within the offense, it is a CMC type role. He's consolidated, consolidated everything yep. in LA now at this point. If I look at the next four weeks for Kyron Williams, he's drawing the, a tough matchup with the Philadelphia Eagles defense in Week Five, uh, followed by a friendly matchup with the Arizona Cardinals in Week Six in a division game, uh, and then in Week Seven and Eight faces the Steelers. Uh, and the Cowboys. So a little bit of a, a tough matchup there, but you know, the, the big highlight there being uh, the Arizona matchup in, in week six, I don't think Kyron's in a situation where you really can't afford to sit him anyway. Uh, but it is just something to keep in mind. You know, we may not see the the same type of domination that we saw in the first month of the season uh, in combination due to the defenses he's going to face and the potential return of Cooper cup also happening over the next month of the season. So two things for, Williams uh, managers to keep in mind we're gonna we're gonna round out the top five with a second straight week for Devon Achan he does want to go by Achan Achan. Dave okay Achan Devon Achan eight rushing attempts 101 (laughs) rushing yards I could just stop there because that's just freaking awesome
2: the explosion Uh, man it is just absolutely there as advertised
1: take us through Achan's performance
2: yeah sure so as Curtis said Goes for over 12 yards at carry just eight rushing attempts for 101 yards, scores two touchdowns, saw five targets, converts three, puts up just 19 receiving yards. Of course, that was on negative 13 air yards. So actually does log 31 yards after the catch on a negative a dot in terms of target share. That's actually 14.7, which on a team with some wide receivers like Miami has, that's actually fairly notable. Um, you know, if we could see a couple more games now where they have to continue to pass and they do so with a Chan, which is looking like it's going to be, you know, that is one of those mixtures that you really like to see. So at this point, Curtis, it's looking like he's going to be a mainstay on this oh, leaderboard and he's just going to absolutely eat between now and the rest of the season or the end of the season, I should say.
1: Yeah, there's, there's really no doubt about it. I, People are already starting to make the the adjustments in in dynasty. I've been putting out some polls to try to get a feel on where some of these rookies are falling. Dave and you know, about sixty percent of my followers on X are saying they considered Davante Chan already to be a dynasty RB one. Yep, uh, which is you know he, he's just really moving up the polls there. And then, you know, also, interestingly, you know, since both of these guys did finish in the top five, I think people realize the difference in the talent level for a Chan versus Kyron Williams, as well as the draft capital. A lot of smart dynasty uh, managers responding to these polls because it's about a four-to-one preference of a Chan to Kyron Williams um, across about a 1,000 responses on that poll so far. So uh, just providing another little layer of context there. The Miami Dolphins have the New York Giants in week five, Carolina Panthers, Panthers in week six. Next two weeks are just going to be really, really fun there. Uh, then they have a tough matchup with Philadelphia in week seven and the always fun Miami-New England rivalry um, having another installment in week eight, Dave, which I know you're probably not looking forward to given the, re- the performances of uh, these two squads this year.
2: Well, fortunately, I have a lot of uh, Miami players on <laughs> On
0: very,
1: yeah,
0: yeah,
1: Yep. Uh, wide receivers, Dave. Sure, you're just trucking trucking through here, yep. Um, and they say that the uh, squeaky wheel gets the grease, man. And it's been a couple weeks since AJ Brown was complaining, and you know, he's done nothing except dominate since then 38.5 PPR why don't you take us through what AJB did this week because he was dominant in every phase.
2: Yeah, so he saw a target share of 38.2%. That was 13 targets, converted nine of them, put up to a total of 175 receiving yards, two receiving touchdowns, easily leading this week in terms of overall air yards with 212 <laughs> An air yard share of 53.3 also added 52 yards after the catch and had an a dot Curtis of 16.3 only player in our leaderboard with more than that was Brandon. Ayuk. Uh finishes with a pretty high whopper here of 0.94 uh, whopper is one of those metrics you like to look to, you don't know, want to go forward basis to their signal of good weeks to come as well. And, uh, you know, I mean. Just doing A.J. Brown-like things in this, really showing why he is one of the best receivers in the league. He made a lot of crucial catches, too, uh, for the Eagles in this really close game with Washington.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data,
3: MyPatriotSupply.com Well, one thing to
1: note with AJB, he does have the, just from a team matchup perspective, he has the toughest schedule uh, of opposing defenses over the next four weeks. Uh, A schedule includes the LA Rams, the New York Jets, the Miami Dolphins, and then the Washington Commanders in Week 8. However, we know it's not as simple, especially with these receivers. You can't just look at what's happening you know, with the context of the whole defense, if you want to understand on a week-by-week basis what A.J. Brown expectations might look like given his matchup, you can follow Dave's series on the site uh, as he breaks down uh, all of the passing game matchups each week on rotoviz.com. So definitely want to take a look there uh, each week to see if A.J. Brown is going to explode again. Stephon Diggs, man, we talked about Josh Allen. You know, somebody had to prop him up here and it was Mr. Diggs six receptions, 120 yards, three receiving touchdowns and 36 points. This is classic digs. This is what everyone had in mind taking him at the one two turn and drafts uh, all season. The first real eruption from him it was really great to see. Anything you want to highlight from this performance?
2: Well, I think uh, you know it's probably notable that he scored a touchdown every other reception. Um, is that good? Yeah, probably pretty yeah. good racer of 1.5, which was pretty solid on the weekend air yard share of 39%. Uh, I think really what this performance came down to the most notable thing is just the, the ridiculous touchdown rate. Uh, but you know, no stranger to being in our leaderboard and here we find digs once again. Player well, though he actually
1: outscored he outscores AJ Brown by a half point and half PPR. So we should also note that in some formats he was the in standard and half PPR he was the wide receiver king this week. Can't yeah. take that away from. Him.
2: So we've talked about two players that are no strangers to being in our top five, but Curtis Nico Collins, yeah, and CJ Stroud, looking fantastic. So we have Nico Collins here. Going seven for nine with a 33% target share. Recording 168 receiving yards, two touchdowns. That was on just 94 air yards. He put up 91 yards after the catch. A racer of 1.78. One of the best players in converting the air yards that he did see into yards on the week. Finishes with 28.8 points.
1: In standard and 35.8 in PPR. Yeah, I mean, it calls- Oh, did I,
2: did, I, did I actually say the wrong thing there? Wow, that's how many points he put up. 35.8. Yeah,
1: yeah D- Dave reporting in standard. Uh, <laughs> yeah. fantasy, for, for those of you who have come uh, to the future from yep. the year 1999. <laughs> um, but yeah, N- Nico and uh, CJ, man, they're really cooking. Um, let's take a look at what Houston has ahead of it uh, in the sing- strength of schedule app here because, you know, sometimes we see these surprise offenses really end up being part, you know, of, of the really important thread of the fantasy football season. People were saying, and Hey, the Jags offense is going to take a step forward or the Falcons offense is going to take a step forward. Not a lot of people saying that it was going to be the Texans offense taking a step forward. And I mean, now these are two really with Stroud and Collins and to a slightly lesser extent tank Dell. I mean, they've got some really, really interesting pieces that you know could continue to grow over the the back half of the season. So, Houston, um, I'm scrolling here. They, they looks like they they're slightly above average, uh, maybe 11th here in terms of strength of schedule over the next month of the season. They draw a matchup with Atlanta, and then they've got uh, a New Orleans Saints date in Week Six, a bye in Week Seven, and then Carolina in Week Eight. So. Uh, you are going to miss out on Collins three weeks from now, but you got plenty of time to plan. So, you know, if you're getting accustomed to these big performances, you do need to be looking a couple weeks ahead. You can check out some of the waiver wire content on the site. If you want to get ahead of the the curve there and not panic when the week actually comes hookah hookah <laughs> is just back to his old stuff, man. You know, he, he had, he had a, a little bit of a down week and in, in week three, man, He's third in receiving yards with 163 in week four, uh, nine receptions in the touchdown. I mean, he's like, he like he's already the new Cooper Cup before the old Cooper Cup even comes back. Like, I don't even know what else to say about this guy. I don't, I mean, I've just been moving him up my dynasty rankings, I've been moving him up in my rest of season rankings. And I just don't know. I mean, we've really just never seen anything like this in NFL history from a round five draft pick, Dave break down a little bit his fantasy performance and once you just for as a little bonus here, tell me, I mean, is he a top 24 dynasty receiver for you now? You can oh, answer yeah. that. After you talk to me about the the performance here.
2: Yeah. Which, which I will get to here. So Puka a target share here of 26% uh, goes for 163 yards. And I actually think that's notable because yes, 10 targets is a lot, but a 25.6 rate is something that's actually sustainable Across the rest of the season in the offense uh, that he is in, so we have the 163 yards. He only had 128 air yards, uh, an air yard share of 43.1. As a result, doing a great job of turning air yards into yards. We've seen this across the year. A racer of 1.2, an A dot here. Curtis of 12.8, one of the higher totals on yeah. the week. Uh, finishes with 31.3 points, as you said. Now, one thing I want to zoom out on here is if you look right now across the season through the first four weeks, right? And you look at the wide receiver leaderboard, what you'll see is he's behind Justin Jefferson, Keenan Allen, and Tyreek Hill. And the really interesting thing about it is he only has one receiving touchdown. Jefferson has three. Allen has three. And Tyreek Hill has four. And what this is showing wow. us is the fact that this wow. looks like the type of thing that he could keep up because even if you scale back those targets to some degree, which I actually don't think that would happen, or he loses some of that efficiency, maybe teams start to scheme around him a little bit more. He could offset some of that drop off with a little bit of an uptick in the touchdown rate. So no matter how you go about it, this is you know just such an impressive start for the for the rookie. And I think you have to include him at this point, uh, in the top 24, you know, there's so many reasons to it just from being able to draw that opportunity to, uh, you know, coming through on it to converting the air yards. And at this point, just doing, you know, an unprecedented, uh, routine here through four games, it's almost become routine that he's going to finish, you know, as a wide receiver one with a crazy game.
1: Yeah. Just to to do it, I mean, so many players never have any games like what Puka's had three times now. Yep. Uh, like they, they won't do it in their career, like high draft picks that won't even accomplish it. So at this point, it just feels like I mean, he's just good, you know, yeah. just for whatever reason he didn't he, he wasn't at this level in college and didn't wow uh, or 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 really show his his full capability throughout the prospect evaluation process. But man. You know, going to breakfast with Cooper Cup and Matthew Stafford, you know, they must be eating like eagle eggs, like Nacho Libre. <laughs> and they're finding their special powers, man. I, I don't know what's going on out there in L.A. Uh, fourth most attractive uh, wide receiver fantasy defense opponents over the next month. Philly, uh, which you may not be immediately intuitive, but teams chasing Philly got a pass. Uh, And then, you know, a tough, tough matchup with Arizona, actually, but they've had a relatively um, easy strength of schedule. So you got to keep that in mind. And then the Steelers and the Cowboys uh, round out the, the Rams next four opponents. So really the only thing that could get in the way of continued Puka dominance would be Cooper Cup coming back at full health. But, you know, the Rams, they're hanging, they're playing competitive ball and they're doing it by featuring Puka in this offense. So, you know, cup might be just a complimentary player, you know, playing limited snaps and just getting a high target rate on the snaps that he plays, you know, as they ease him into the offense, you know, who knows what's going to happen here. Uh, DJ Moore, Dave. Yes. You know, we, we said that Justin, uh, Fields finally found his way. DJ Moore has been a little bit more dependable than Justin Fields, but you know, he has uh, a fantastic day. Uh, in this week four blow up spot for the Bears, catches eight and nine balls for 131 yards and a touchdown. Um, take us through some of the advanced stats on DJ Moore before we wrap up with tight ends.
2: Yeah, sure. So finishes with a target share of 28.1. One of the interesting things here, Curtis, he had 121 air yards, finishes with 131 total yards. So The takeaway for me there is that we did see Fields pushing it down the field to him. You know, it's not like these were a couple of shorter passes that he was able to break off and run with, which I think is something that we'd like to see a little bit of, you know, aggressiveness in this team and in these looks going to DJ Moore finishes with an A dot of 13.4, uh, was able to convert 1.083. Uh, which, you know, might not sound that high. But in comparison to other players that we saw finish in our leaderboard this week, such as Justin Jefferson, Terry McLaurin, Marquise Brown, actually a little bit higher than those guys. Uh, So we certainly like to see that. And I think that the other important thing to focus on here, too, is that we saw the catch rate get up to almost 90 percent. Now, across the season for DJ Moore, uh, you know, he's been around, like the 75 or so mark. So nice to kind of see a little bit of, uh, you know, a, a tick up in his connection there with Justin Fields, actually in the three games prior to that, they'd been at a, 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 he'd had a catch rate of 73.3 going 11 of 15. So, you know, a sizable game here, but you can, when you consider he'd been at 11 receptions through the first three games, then in this matchup, is able to actually get eight receptions, so you know a sizable uh, improvement there for DJ Moore.
1: Chicago, a, a middling fantasy schedule for the the next month of the season, Dave. They've got the Commanders followed by the Vikings, the Raiders, and the Chargers. Uh, I, I do like at least seeing here a neutral and favorable matchup, you know, for Fields in terms of the passing defense in weeks five and six. Obviously, we know that DJ Moore is going to typically be the focal point of the Bears offense so if they're gonna have success it's gonna go through him we're gonna go over the tight end position now and uh you know it's it's a teammate it's a Bears teammate leading the way so far uh in week four Cole Komet, man his first blow up of the season 27.6 PPR and you know you can add another three and a half points in there from a tight end premium perspective, which is, you know, probably the main place where Comet still would have been started yep. uh at this point after the way that his season has started. So, you know, actually even more impressive than what we're looking at from a PPR perspective. Great performance by Comet here. This is what you want to see 28.1 target share. Actually got a rushing attempt uh <laughs> and one rushing yard, too. So padding yep. the stats with that extra tenth of a point in PPR formats. Talk to us about where he was targeted on the field and if this is sustainable, Dave.
2: Yeah, so I I think, you know, as you mentioned, uh, with the 28% target share, I think it's notable he actually saw the same number of targets as DJ Moore. And the interesting thing here is he was not a tight end one on a total point basis prior to this game. This actually propels him up to number three on a total uh, PPR basis, (laughs) which kind (laughs) of speaks.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they, they
2: really do. Uh, uh, in terms of an air yard share had 24.8 actually did see 77 air yards yeah. um, and was not, you know, too shabby in converting what went his way actually converted 1.1 uh, in terms of races here added 31 yards after the catch. And this is the type of performance that you really like to see from Komet. with those two touchdowns. He was a player that we thought could be one of these tight ends. If you could get you know, later in your draft compared to some of these guys going much earlier and you could approximate the point totals that you're seeing from them. um, We're kind of starting to see that come together. There was points where it certainly looked like Fields made it, uh, you know, a goal to get him the ball or he was one of the first looks when Fields was in trouble. So very encouraging performance for Cole and hopefully we see some more.
1: Well, Mark Andrews had a nice breakout. I mean, he's had some great games against the Browns in his career that I've had to witness. And, you know, Lamar didn't pass a lot, but when he did pass, he was passing to Andrews in week four. pair of touchdowns, catches all five of his targets for 80 yards. And Andrews, with really the only other difference-making tight end performance, at least pending Monday Night Football results, with 25 PPR uh, Pretty impressive uh, conversion of his opportunities this week.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So he actually takes every uh, air yard that was thrown his way and converted it, you know, 2x in terms of actual yardage because he only had a total coverage of 39 air yards, finishes with 80 receiving yards. Uh, also notable, too, that that's on five receptions. Uh, so from, you know, an efficiency perspective, very high for him this week. And uh, the air yard share of 32 and a half, uh, that's always something you really like to see for these tight ends. Then on top of it, you consider, you know, that these targets came uh, at very high quality when they were positioned for him to get in the end zone. So, you know, you hope that we see Baltimore continue to keep passing. We see Lamar do it with his legs and with his arm and that the recipient of a lot of those passes is going to be Mark Andrews.
1: So, I don't want to spend a ton of time breaking down any of the other tight end performances this week because, as you can see over here in our PPR column, I mean, the next, I don't know, well, dozen plus guys are all really within, you know, five points of each other. But there's just some, a couple like key things that I would like to call out around whether we think that certain things are sustainable or some names that we've con- consistently yep. seen as the lower end or middling tight end ones from a consistency standpoint because I think people might be able to take a little bit of encouragement and knowing that you know even in a down performance, you know, a tight end is going to be better than replacement. So the first thing is Johnny Smith at this point, four weeks into the season, outperforming Kyle Pitts. I mean, you're 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 absolutely just in shambles if you invested that high draft pick in Kyle Pitts once again, only to see him not be a feature in the offense, I mean Johnny Smith actually getting six targets. I mean, so he's one of the most heavily targeted tight ends of the week. Caught all, caught all six of his targets and had ninety-five yards. I mean, I'm not trusting Johnny to, <laughs> you know, do this again. But I mean, this was exactly like this is what we wanted to see from from Pitts. So I mean, before I go into other players, anything you want to say about Johnu?
2: Arthur Smith thinks he's better than Kyle Pitts, I guess. I mean, I don't know what I have to add. And maybe he is. What's
1: the last name thing? thing? Throw throw it to Smith. You know, it's like his own creative creative character in Madden or something. Now, a player that we uh, have quite a few uh, exposures to, Dave, is Jake Ferguson. See, I mean, he's continued to be involved in this Cowboys offense. And so to see him go, seven to seven receptions and targets for 77 yards. When I mean, you talk about a lucky type performance sevens everywhere here, actually also scored 7.7 standard fantasy points. Um, I mean, you know, oh, this wow. is, yeah, it's all coming up. Sevens for Jake Ferguson, 14.7 PPR. I mean, I think he's going to be involved, man. You know, they, they drafted, uh, 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 Scooney, uh, Luke Schoonmaker. And, you know, it's, he's not going to see the field much, man. Um, right now with the way that Ferguson has kind of emerged as one of Dax, uh, trusted targets there. So I think, you know, Ferguson could still be out there on some waiver wires, or maybe you picked him up as your TE2 after his first couple performances. And you're like, man, is he startable? I mean, I think he's startable. I mean, I think he's a guy that you would look at as a low end tight end one, you know, kind of every week at this point with the usage in that offense.
2: Offenses, you know, had a couple of huge games, too, which uh, certainly helps matters there. Right. So uh, nice to see Ferguson there. And then uh, we were rounded out by Andrew Ogletree, who, uh, you know, another random Indianapolis player trying to (laughs) trying to make his way into the leaderboard. So,
1: yeah, I mean, he scored a touchdown. You know, if you score a touchdown as a tight end, you're going to you're going to challenge for top five status i think it's probably a little bit more encouraging for people to see dalton schultz make you know a top six appearance although he needed the touchdown to get that done just three targets despite cj stroud's kind of ascension there um but in touchdownless performances we do see evan ingram and travis kelsey in there as expected you know when you're getting eight nine targets in offenses like they participate in you know you're gonna see that i mean with with this type of consistency from ingram dave i mean you got to think i mean he really seems to be trending towards finishing the season as a top five tight end overall. And I mean, maybe with room to, to go, he's basically doing what everyone had hoped that Darren Waller was going to do. And I've not been watching tonight's game quite yet. So, you know, maybe Waller is going to redeem himself there a little bit, but Ingram might be the unsung tight end four of this fantasy season. We excited to see that play out
2: yeah I gotta I, got I, you know, I was gonna say the exact same thing because I actually have a team where I have Engram and Waller and I actually made the decision this week to start Engram and sit Waller. It's gonna be really interesting to see how things yeah. play out through the rest of the year uh, and, and the other thing too is it doesn't even really feel like Jacksonville has fully clicked yet uh, so you could see Ingram continue to rise and we'll have to see what happens with Waller hopefully things turn around but you know you don't get the warm and fuzzy feeling that you're going to be able to get out of Waller what you thought heading into the year.
1: All right. Well, that brings the Tuesday Take Five to its end. For those of you that are listening on Road of His Radio, Dave and I will be back later this week with another episode of Dynasty Command Center. Man, we've—I just feel like it's huge ranking shakeups every week. I'm doing uh, some mock drafts with with Ryan McDowell over at Dynasty League Football. We'll talk about how some of those are going. Rotov is actually giving away a sub, Dave, as part oh of that. So that's kind of cool. Yep. And then uh, we'll be back later in the week with our Start, Sit show. I'll be back in the co-host seat for that this week. Appreciate it. I think you had Blair fill in uh, last week, if, if yep. memory serves Dave. So, uh, man, we're going to talk a lot more fantasy here in Week 5. Get some more W's on the board for everyone listening. Thanks for tuning in to the Tuesday Take 5.
2: Thank you for listening to the roto Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at CabinF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214. And make sure to rate, review, and subscribe.